0: Welcome to the Food Grower Podcast, the podcast that tells the story, highlights the techniques and talks tactics with food growers from all around the world.
1: From market gardeners to allotment holders, field farmers to urban farmers, we want this podcast to inspire you to grow food or help you on your already existing food empire.
0: I'm Chris from Fanfield Farm.
1: I'm Jack from Jack's Patch. and It's my pleasure to introduce for today's episode, Alex from the Essex Allotment. Welcome, Alex. Um, how's your day been today, mate?
2: Yeah, really, really busy. Firstly, thanks for having me on. Really excited for your new uh, venture. I'm happy to be a tiny little part of one of the first few episodes that are going out, so thank you for that. But yeah, crazy day this morning, really busy, but um, can't moan. I'm not stuck in an office I'm out in the field, so it's good fun.
0: Yeah, good man. And I, I felt jealous, so I came on. We've just done a recording, me and Jack, before this of a podcast. He had a beer. I come on, you've got a beer, so I had to go and get a beer. Yeah, we've so started. now we've got, uh, <laughs> yeah, Market Gardeners Beer Club has started way before we were going to float that idea. So no, it's, it's going to be a good afternoon.
2: Yeah, I'll I see i've gone for the budget brand <laughs> <to you> two.
0: <laughs> Mate, i've gone budget mine's corona which has gone down this year hasn't it so oh, <laughs> they've man, certainly done yeah. their sales <laughs> um so for those that are listening that might not know you and i'm sure there's not many because i know about your following on on social media but for those that don't know you can you tell us a bit about who you are and what you do
2: yeah so sure so um I'm Alex. Uh, I'm known on, known, that sound awful, but known <laughs> on uh, social media as um, the Essex Allotment. Um, and now I'm a commercial grower. Um, I do a no-dig um, market garden for commercial growing for a veg box service and farmer's markets and et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, that's me now. But I started off as a little old allotmenteer, um, hence the name. And uh, yeah, things have developed really quickly over the last few years, and now I'm um, following the passion of growing uh, organic um, vegetables the right way, and giving the people or the residents of Essex an opportunity to get that good quality um, homegrown produce. So yeah, that's
1: that's me really. Oh, wicked, mate, wicked. So, what did you do before this, Al? Because we're just trying to what we're trying to do with the podcast is trying to inspire people with. Each of our stories, because we all like didn't start as farmers, uh, which I find really cool as well. Like we all come from other jobs, started like, I'm a, I was an electrician. Uh, Chris was in like marketing and then like podcast and radio. Um, and it, yeah, it's pretty funny when you tell people that they're like, oh, what? You, you wasn't a grower like your whole life. Um, so yeah, man, I'd love to know a little bit more about your story. Like what, where you come from and then how you got to like where you are now.
2: I was part of the rat race, you know. I worked for a big um, retailer um, in their corporate offices. Did some work in London, some in Welling Garden City, which is the outskirts of London. Um, and I did some project management stuff for the Tesco's. I worked my way up through the shop. So, like when I was at college and uni, that has be my first link to fruit and veg. I used to stack the shelves. <laughs> I used to stack the shelves in between studying, and it and it used to be on the produce department. So. Um, you know, learned some of my basic skills there. But um, yeah, so I went through that and I worked for Tesco's for 14 years. And I suppose when I where I started to get involved and the sort of like tedious link came to what I'm doing now is one of the last um, couple of projects that I did for uh, Tesco's is I was a fruit and veg buyer for a couple of years. So I bought fruit and veg uh, for Tesco's or went out and sourced and, and met, you know, big industrial farmers uh, all around the UK um, to source produce for um, Tesco's, the supermarket. And then um, I did that for a couple of years and that developed into, then I was part of a team that um, developed a waste redistribution um, sort of system within Tesco. So effectively Tesco's made the decision that they were going to stop throwing all the edible food into landfill um and redistribute it in a in a responsible way or a more responsible way than they were doing in the past and i was part of the team that designed that process and then implemented it into all the shops and stores and stuff like that so um in that sort of main part of my career i obviously learned a lot about farming from the retail point of view and then um the waste element of it. And that's when I really started to have my eyes open to some of the horrific stats that are out there of the amount of food waste that we throw away, the amount of packaging we use, the amount of pesticides that we use. And... From that point, that's when I decided, and there was other reasons, um, you know, personal reasons for for me to get an allotment. But that's when I started growing my own fruit and vegetables, and then it's developed from there. So,
1: so it's definitely like transferable skills, isn't it? Because you've gone from like somewhere that was producing, like bringing in the like veg and stuff, and well, like I just said to Chris on um, on the podcast we just done, like was that that aha moment, like when you was like, mate, what is wrong with the food system? Look at the the food waste, like for me as well, when I was on my journey, it was just loads of things started clicking uh, once I started getting into it and then I just went, it, it takes you down a rabbit hole when you got to find, I found, like, I was done with a lot of stuff in the world but for me, I felt like my growing was my niche to actually do something good as well and it sounds like you you mate as well, like a lot of us have kind of filling the gap in the market where uh, there's a lot of not so good things happening and you're doing the good thing
2: yeah so yeah there was a few moments like that within my sort of tesco um career if you want to call it that but um obviously when you start learning about those numbers that i alluded to the amount of waste and it's not just the uk and it's not just tesco you know nothing against tesco I, i you know i wish everyone would be able to get fruit and vegetables like we could but you know there's got to be options out there for people but um there was some real moments in there, the numbers that started coming through, the amount of um, waste from end consumer, so uh, not just Tesco's fault, but the shopping habits of people and um, how much waste food we waste in our households every day, um, to then the other end of the scale, right back at the beginning, how much of the food doesn't make the shelves because it's not the right quality, in inverted, you know, in, in commas, um, because the cucumbers, you know, over, bent or you know (laughs) you know and and I can't remember the numbers exactly I
1: doubt I doubt many my cucumbers would make it
2: (laughs) 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 and um so there was that that was like the first moment where I thought and then you go and start visiting some of these farms and some of these places and you're like wow what are they putting on this you know on these on this food like there's a reason they look perfect when they're in the shop mm. and that's because it's just anything and everything that's alive around it that could cause the slightest bit of damage is just wiped out. And whether that's, you know, microscopic fungi or, you know, uh, birds and, well, they're not killing birds, but you know, bugs and stuff like that, you know, they're just spraying it all out there. And then the last thing, the last thing that really prompted it for me was, um, one of the ways we redistributed, um, as, as part of that process is to charities. Um, So donate a lot of the uh, Tesco food waste and all the supermarket retailers do it now, Um, but donate the food waste to charities and and charitable. And I actually, in between what I do now, I'm working for Tesco. I actually went to work for Cancer Research UK for a year because I really enjoyed working with charities and I was finding what I wanted to do. But um, yeah, there was a few light bulb moments like that that really just thought, I thought to myself, once i've been once i had the allotment a few years i thought there's got to be a way that i can share what i'm producing here um with more people um and that's where they then the allotment sort of takes a back step and the farm came into into play
0: yeah nice mate. i'm so surprised we haven't crossed paths alex i started at tesco as well <laughs> pre-radio days and pre-marketing i was a, a, a well, in a super, st- well, extra, as they call it, but the massive stores. I was a non nice. food manager in Winchester, so probably not a million miles away either. So not far, not yeah, too far. Yeah, um, that's crazy. It's a small world. It yeah. really is, yeah. Especially when you work in supermarkets. But well, I, I, I had similar moments where I, I was obviously in non food, but it sort of aligns with that power aisle, as they call it, um, alongside yeah. the produce department. And I remember looking across and just seeing broccoli like heads of broccoli and it was probably a lost leader for Christmas and they were 16p and I'd remember like standing there I think it was a team meeting and obviously I didn't pay attention that's why I'm not still there but staring at it and thinking how can that be 16p like the effort that went into growing that the time that's someone's livelihood and we've slapped 16 pence on that head of broccoli and it just made me yeah quite sad so now we've had similar similar moments like that i think um which is great yeah absolutely. i'm guessing now that, that you obviously you, you came from an allotment you've now got the essex allotment farm which has a commercial grower but is that now a full-time venture for you
2: um so uh yeah uh, the little bit of my career that i missed out as um <laughs> in this story was uh when i left uh, cancer research uk after a year i started a Grounds Maintenance Company. That was my first sort of like personal venture into something a little bit different. Um, And because I wanted to work outside, I wanted to work with horticulture, and that's what I thought I wanted to do. Um, But the money in grounds maintenance is in corporate, so you know, in corporate maintenance. So I quickly found myself back closer to Tesco's than working in a horticulture world. Um, So that sort of ticks on now and ticks by, and you know, I just put a few hours a week into that sort of small business that i've got and what i would say is from june um from when my veg box season starts uh full-time i would call my full-time job a, a, a market farm or oh, farm yeah market farmer sorry
0: that's <laughs> great that's amazing how does it yeah, feel
1: there's it is, it is too many names for it isn't
2: it it feels great it feels great like i said um i wanted to work outside i wanted to work in horticulture um I wanted to develop my skills. And very quickly after I got the allotment, it, it was clear my passion. Um, maybe I attribute that to my career in Tesco's was with edibles. And um, that, that is why, you know, that I didn't push that business to be bigger and better than it is now. That just ticks over nicely and, 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 and I can crack on with something that's a bit more personal enjoyment out of it.
1: No, I me we're going into into the farm now like it's your first year as well like how are you finding the crop planning because from an allotment to a farm god i've got some nice sweat patches here um <laughs> going from allotment to farm uh it's like a, it's just a bit of a big step it's a bit daunting but it's going from seeding like maybe a tray of tomatoes for the allotment, and now you're sowing bundles and bundles like mate i've been watching your youtube hour as well and it's just like finding room for it isn't it it's just like every bit of light you can get on a window shelf or or you have to buy racks in and lights and all sorts um how
2: how are you finding the crop planning bit yeah so it's challenge it's a challenge like a massive and a massive unknown so uh i had a small plot of land private plot of land last year and i've trialed just 20 veg boxes um from there so that caught sort of was like my stepping stone from from the allotment to where I am now which is on on roughly an acre and this season it will just be a third of an acre that's actually uh, cultivated and yeah it was daunting and I'm sort of find myself farming from this season from the two different locations which really adds a different like a difficult element to it I haven't got the infrastructure at the new farm yet to have um, polytunnels and um, you know places to do all my seeds and bits like that so i find myself doing a lot of that at home a lot of that mm. at, um my old site which is effectively just some land outside the back of my pe- like residential where my parents live and um th- th- that they own and they just lend me for a couple of seeds to do it so um and that's got some greenhouses and polytunnels and stuff like that up in it so it's really challenging but crop planning has been huge you know it's just a massive step into the unknown and I've just over everything. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's, I've just given myself a safety net this year. Um, and I've decided what I can achieve this year. There's a number uh, of, uh, you know, a hundred veg boxes a week. And if I get anywhere near that, it'd be absolutely incredible. Um, but I couldn't physically do any more than that this year. Um, and I've just, you know, I'm planting for 120 and 130 veg boxes yeah. just to give me that safety net of of of, of food um but allotmentarian and especially the way that us guys are trying to um to grow commercially um there's the there's stuff that you learn from five years of allotmentarian that is super super transferable to uh, market gardening um and so i'm pulling on some of that experience as well
1: yeah, no, it, it does help a lot, doesn't it? Because, yeah, I think it's harder for people if they want to try and go from, like, nothing to, to kind of what we're doing. You need that you need that experience of, like, growing food, knowing what grows well. And as you said, like, we get away with it because we, we over-sow. And it's been a bit of a... I mean, it's been a... I'm not first season for yourself man it's like my third now but this is the hardest spring ever it's just so <laughs> like i got 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 really excited all winter so like you start your stuff in feb and, uh, and like maybe sometimes people start in jan as well but like now we're like got as we've we spoke about off the podcast like got peppers and tomatoes in pots desperate to go in the ground and um mate it's it's tough <laughs> it's, yeah it's been a
2: it's been a baptism of fire, definitely. I couldn't get for six or seven weeks over the winter. So Essex, if you don't know, I'm from Essex. I don't know if I said that, but um, it's the clue's in the name, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, we're really clay soil here. And we're like crazy clay soil. So uh, I couldn't get access to the field in the winter because it was flooded. Uh, for like six weeks I couldn't get the truck I could I could physically get in it but I couldn't get trucks of compost in there I couldn't get my car even my car in there or anything so and then literally six weeks later it's like concrete yeah (laughs) and um, like there's not a single drop of moisture in any of the soil or certainly the top you know few inches of soil Um, so yeah the weather's crazy it's that horrible combination of cold overnight like freezing overnight and a little bit windy and not a single bit of rain. So just everything just dries out. <laughs> it's just bone dry. Um, so yeah, exactly what you said. I've got last year on, on the, my old site, because we had that super hot uh, spring, I had my first tomatoes in the ground by the, uh, by the 14th of April outside, not in a wow. polytunnel, outside, just under a bit of fleece cover overnight. And this year they're still sat on a windowsill or, uh, or in, the, in the greenhouse waiting to go out in pots.
1: Yeah, man. It's, de- it's desperate, isn't it? It's just... Um, yeah, really I desperate. At, I was actually looking at where we live, Alex, because the zones change quite a bit. Yeah. I think I'm zone eight. It's like a weird sliver where I am yeah. to where you are. At, but we always, I think we always joke, it's like Cat Costa del, del Essex. Like we have our own <laughs> microclimate here. And I, I think that's why... Well, people would like to say that's why they're so tanned here as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I know.
1: That's
2: definitely not why people are so. this
0: I know it's not. Yeah, we're, the, we're not too dissimilar. We're in the South East, um, so not too far away. And we've got clay soil as well. So I feel your pain there, starting the project just yeah. over a year ago and trying to work with that. And we're exactly the same. It's, it's like there's trees that I put in. I put a load of willows in to, to do to build some wind block up because we're in a massive wind tunnel as well. And the trees I put in in November are like green. I put some in in like March and they've just had no rain at all. Like we've had eight weeks almost with one day of rain, which was two days ago. And so they they're look, yeah, withered and upset. So it's now, I'm now not only putting sprinklers on veg and putting sprinklers on trees <laughs> which is just ridiculous <laughs> yes. really but um yeah no i completely feel yeah. that but you you with the new project um of of taking that on that clay soil on to regenerate but but you've adopted no dig principles in that um well, sort of what made you make that decision and is that something that you brought over from the allotment or was it different there
2: uh i I tried on the allotment i tried all three i i I had sort of like four quarters of the allotment um at the very beginning i mean it's changed over time and uh one quarter was raised beds the one ended up being chicken so cultivated three quarters of it on the allotment uh one was raised beds one was traditional just digging the soil and digging in the ground and the other bit was 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 no dig and look i think from a regenerative agriculture point of view I think it's become fairly apparent over the last 18 months that regenerative agriculture, which I know is broad and, and, and then within that, the no dig, no till principle uh, of, uh, within regenerative agriculture is the right way to go for the soil, especially like we've alluded to when you've effectively got clay <laughs> uh, where we are. Um, it's really interesting that the farm I'm only, I'm only renting the land that I'm on at the moment and it's right bangs in the middle of about 75 acres of arable, I can never say this well, but arable farming, arable farming, yeah, arable, arable farming. Yeah. Um, we, we, arable we, farming. We, we've um, struggled to say regenerative all day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I smashed that one out. No
0: problem.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, no, I'm bang in the middle and you know, my landlord and he has been absolutely fantastic to me, but, uh, but he's, You know, he's got the quarter of a million pound combine harvesters, you know, um, he's a monocrop. He's not organic. um, And, you know, the real traditional way of farming. So I'm learning more about that. He's interested in what I'm doing with the soil on obviously a, a a much, 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 much smaller scale. But... For example, he this field that is used, you know, for, for the last ten years has just been used to, to, to make hay. Like, you know, it's just a you know a grass field. It's not really been used. But he ploughed it for me in anticipation. Uh, took the grass off the top and ploughed and tilled it for me, and. So he's really interested to see what I do with that soil now, because that would be the point then where he you know, he might s- spray some compost on the top like these farmers do, like a real thin dusting of compost on the top. But that is effectively what he'd, he'd, he'd plant into, where he gave it to me. And then over the first six months, I've just put tons and tons and tons of no-dig compost uh, style on, the top, on top of that, that. So he's really interested to see what's going on and what I'm up to. And he doesn't think it's going to work. <laughs>
1: yeah, but that's, that's brilliant. I think that's so good. You're you're in eye line of someone like what we know it works because we follow the models. And I, I want to ask who's like your inspiration online as well in a minute. Yeah. Um But yeah, you're in a mate. You're, you're right. But is it? I've been to your plot out and is is that his house? Like kind of just adjacent. Yeah yeah. 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 So I mean, he's seeing you do what you're doing with the whole no dig uh, applying soil and man how great is that feeling going to be when he sees like a carrot in that soil after the first couple well I mean I'm going to say months it ain't going to be it might be it'll be less than a year won't it when the first carrot yeah. comes as well so yeah yeah it's yeah. a little win you got you got to go <laughs> to his house with the first carrot and be like
2: yeah <laughs> I am um, yeah you're absolutely right it's just it, the, the, there's three properties on the farm and they're all different parts of the farm business they're all big family that you know they live in three different houses and um yeah they're a lovely 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 family but like i said he's way past retirement age this 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 guy that uh, my landlord um but he's still like the head farmer and he's like you know done the same thing for 50 years probably so you know I, I, i i don't rock up on his plot and tell him he's doing it all wrong not just yet i'll wait (laughs) until i've got something to show him before (laughs) before that but um he's interested genuinely genuinely interested and i'll tell you what got him interested and i know there's loads of numbers banded about especially online but when i said i can take this acre field and in five years time i can be producing x amount of money Mm. from this field field Mm. Uh, If it all goes to plan, he nearly fell off his seat because these farmers are only clearing 200 to 400 pounds an acre Mm. profit a year uh, with with, with arable farming. Yeah. Um, Which is fine when you've got 75 acres and then he goes and, you know, and he contracts farms, other people's farms for them, a huge business.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: But it honestly nearly fell off his seat when I said, started touting numbers at him. And they weren't even particularly you know, challenging numbers, I think I'll smash what I told him. Yeah, no, but that's even, that's even better, isn't it? It's like the yeah. whole, um,
1: like, under-promise, over-deliver. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. an old
2: Tesco, well, a phrase we used to use in Tesco
1: all the time. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I wasn't going to say that, but it's true.
0: <laughs> but it,
1: it, it's so it's so true, though, and, and I think um, Curtis Stone says that as well, especially with... Like yeah. a lot of chefs, if you work with chefs or or you, you're giving food to people is that whole like, I'll oh, just over, like under-promise, over-deliver. I, I think it's a good little uh, thing to to live by as well, especially in our field as well, because it's about quality as well. And if you under-promise the quality and then they're wowed by the taste of your food, then you got them. Um, Absolutely. But Alex, sure. just a little bit further on what we're talking about. So I know like a few farms you're interested in but who's now like your inspiration what's like the bar for you what what do you watch um on like YouTube or Instagram and it's like i want to be not i think we all have our own styles but who's like i want to kind of look like that or or go the, the path they're going i like what they're
2: doing uh so the obvious one that really captured me with j m JM fortier uh, when I really started um looking at market and productive and profitable market gardens um you know is absolutely smashing it up. you know anyone that's listening to this podcast will probably already be familiar with JM Fortier um but yeah it absolutely uh, incredible from a from a business point of view from a uh, productive high productivity farm um you know low input high output farm he it absolutely smashes it uh i'd like what I see myself as is a hybrid between, not now, obviously. <laughs> I mean, what, let me just clear that up really <laughs> early on. In the future, in like 10, 15 years' time, is I'd like to see myself as a, a hybrid of JM Fortier and Richard Perkins. Uh, like, if I could take the elements of those two that I like about them, and there's a lot I like about those um, two, um, um, and have... You know, a combo of that within within me in fifteen years time, then I'll have I'll have nailed it. Like that's what that's the that's the shoot for the stars sort of. Um.
1: Oh, yeah. I think it's do it's doable, mate, because it's um like like we see like like all, I think all of us when we've all chatted, we all see like how there's such growth in this space. And we're like early adopters in the UK of it, and it and it feels like weird because we're we're watching the Americans. Obviously, there's loads of good market gardeners in the UK, but it, it still seems so young, it's like a young venture. And um, uh, and I think there's scope in this country, especially to do what like those guys have done over the last few years.
2: So it, it's amazing, it's exciting. When I describe it to other people, so obviously I I got a lot of time from my from my old man he has been in business for for donkey's years and you know, obviously run loads of ideas and stuff past him. The way I describe it to him, and he's not an agriculturist at all, like doesn't even garden, you know, um, I think that Canada and America as a generalisation are 10 years ahead of where we are. You know, mm-hmm. we've picked up 10 years behind them as a, as a generalisation. Yep. Um. Yep. I know there are people out there that are doing it well and doing it well in this country, but what the Canadians and Americans are doing really well and starting to seep into Europe is shouting about it. Mm. And getting it out there for other people to see, you know. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, you know, I think you've absolutely hit the nail on the head. I think we're we're behind them in 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 that sense. I think there'll be things that we we will do better than them in 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 the future. Um, absolutely, um, but there's a lot to learn from them at the moment. And yeah, the, the last one I'll mention is I watch uh, a little YouTube channel called Honey Tree Farm. Uh, I thought, I thought he was going to
1: mention that. You like, yeah. You're like you a f- uh, big fan, are not
2: you? Yeah. yeah and, the, and the reason I like it is because they're obviously big JM Fort Air fans. You can see from their farm and their setup that they're JM and they talk about him on their YouTube channel. But they're just a normal couple that have got like one had a corporate background. One had a um, uh, he was a tree surgeon. So a bit of a horticulture background. They decided five years ago, enough's enough. Now they've got this like few acres of incredible farmland, and they're clearly making decent money from it and doing it the right way, um, very JM Fortier style. And yeah, they're called Hun- Honey Tree Farm, uh, Tori and Casey, and they're they're smashing it. and And that. In year one feels like a little bit more gettable that you know, if I'm saying the hybrid of JM forty eight and Rich Perkins is fifteen years away, I could see myself being where these guys are honey tree farming five years, which is mm-hmm.
1: that's really cool, man.
2: Would be it's a about, cool it's about
1: seeing that stepping stone, isn't it? Like, yeah. oh, uh who's like it's always good to see who's a little bit ahead of, of like where you think you are. So then it's like, Oh, that's the next goal, and then that's the next goal, and it yeah, that's how you get there, isn't it?
0: The, fi-
2: the, the, the final shout, I will just mention, obviously, Charles Dowdin as well. From a, <laughs> from a UK point of view, there's there's stuff that, you know, everyone does stuff their own way. There's stuff that I wouldn't do the same way as Charles. There's stuff that uh, absolutely I've learned from Charles, um, especially coming from an tier background, Yeah. Um, which I think there's a direct sort of correlation between him and and you know, allotmenteering and stuff like that. But the guy has incredible knowledge. Um, and like any of these, uh, all these guys that I've talked about, you pick the bits that you like about them, the Pick you don't do the bits you don't necessarily, you know, wouldn't necessarily do your way. And a hybrid of all them, lot that I've just mentioned, would be the ultimate uh, market farmer.
0: Mate, you've hit the nail on the head there because that's so important, not just to take bits from, from that, but to take the principles of what they do. Because, yeah, Charles is in the UK, um, but on say a smaller scale than than the most market gardens would maybe want to be. Gems in Canada, where the, the soil is very different, the climate is in most places different. You've got Richard Perkins, which I think is is he Scandinavia, but then parts in Sweden, the UK yeah. and yeah. Yeah. So um yeah, taking those the bits that apply to your farm as well. And that's something that I think is important and something we want to get across with this podcast is that not every book works for every piece of soil it's you've got to get on your land you've got to work out what works for you and take inspiration from all those different people so I love love the fact that you've just yeah run off a few names there and yeah you've, you've hit the nail on the head with that
2: the prime example of that is you know Charles Dowding wouldn't broadfork fork in a million years mm. yeah like it's not a tool that he uses if he came to farm in Essex and saw our clay soil <laughs> I'd be surprised after five years or you know after the for the first few years that he wouldn't be Considering it is the way I'd, I'd put it, not to <laughs> tell Charles out because he's clearly very much, a lot better than, than me. But do you know what I mean? It's you're absolutely right. It's just a real easy, basic example of it's even 200, 300, 400 miles away from Charles and um, where he's based. The soil, the climate, everything is completely different. I love what you're saying about this because for a lot of growth, people do blindly follow people
1: uh, and. Um, like I'm I'm even doing JM's course but I wouldn't do beats the way JM's doing beats he like he, he pricks them out so there's like one in each bit yeah. and, and like for me the way Charles has done it with a multi-so has worked so well for me that it's like right Charles for that JM for that then you've just got to like and then you make your own style don't you the, the, to yeah. a degree and, and that's what makes you you That's as a farmer
2: yeah absolutely and there's loads of others out there like there's a, a, a small sort of CSA setup up in Scotland called Tap and Off. Um, they're a really cool YouTube channel. And, and again, you can relate to some of the stuff they do there. Eventually I want to get into like the animal side of it. Initially it'll be chickens for composting and stuff like, like that. Not not for meat or, or eggs necessarily, that'd be a bonus, but the composting and stuff like that and um, goats for milk and cheese and stuff like that. So, you, you know, they're what I call a small holding that's got a CSA farm as part of it. So there's loads of people out there, but you're absolutely right. Like there's no point in just going and doing Charles's course um, or you you could do it that way, but you'd be doing yourself a disservice if you just went and did one course, let's call it Charles's course, did it exactly the way he did it. Yeah. You'd probably be successful to a certain extent, but you'd be doing yourself a disservice because there's so much more out there. Um, to, to pick from,
0: yeah, and we've we felt the same as you. We we're Clayfield, uh, thirty-five years of maize production big tractors lots of spray uh, one and a half centimetres of topsoil and two foot of solid clay that goes off like literally the other day we cooked in the in the grounds did that whole thing um, with some yes. with some volunteers and we put a fire dug a hole put the fire in and after the fire had burnt down for two hours I've actually got a permanent clay oven in the grounds now because <laughs> it actually went off like a proper clay oven it's bonkers so yeah that's what we had to deal with and we started with our first year um, our first growing block was called completely no dig and then we saw like some thing that we just had to change it slightly to prepare the ground break the mold of what was created before and yeah so we did get a rotavator in had it all our ground areas rotavated and have gone back to no dig so you've got to apply those principles to to the nature that's around you um and yeah unfortunately we've you you and me both have had to um work to to fix other people's misdoings sometimes but that's kind of where we are I mean it leads us to to talking about because we've mentioned regenerative farming and and that's what you are you've got a brilliant blog on your website about about that what was it about that 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 was so important to you what about that movement was it your time at Tesco and seeing some of the numbers there or was there sort of something in that
2: yeah I, I don't think there was that light bulb moment where I thought this has got, you know, I think it's ha- it has happened over time. And there's been a few, you know, my, my, I, I saw my brother actually is is a marine biologist. You know, he's like a doctor. basically. Oh, <laughs> you know, he's just finished his PhD because he's nearly a doctor. Um, and, you know, I found myself not really understanding, what, you know, the, the climate impact of everything behind, um, you know, the way we produce food um and the and the way that we farm and and uh, and that goes from you know like a marine life the way that we fish the way that we um produce on land you know and i could go on forever but i think some of those figures that started in tesco and then as i became more interested in it start to do more research about it you know watch the documentaries are out there read the paper as in the doctorate papers read some of the um research that's out there about it and i just yeah i'll just it was just a, those that sort of journey. Uh, I can't put a time frame on it. That I just thought this is the right way to do it. Like it's just it is just the right way to do it from from a moral point of view, from, a, you know, looking after the land point of view and from a productivity point of view from, uh, you know, to get the best crops, the best quality food. Um know and that's the the main selling point of of what we do is that it will be immeasurably better than anything you can find in a shop because you get it hours or you know 12 hours maximum after it was picked um that is our selling point so it just has to be the best and for me and for the and I, i might be wrong and if someone can tell me that i'm wrong then that's fine but Regenerative agriculture, the principles behind regenerative agriculture, tick all those boxes. Mm. So they tick the, the, the climate. They tick the looking after the soil. They tick the 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 production of the top top quality veg, which is this is ever going to be a viable business for for me that's what i need to be producing so um yeah all those few few things were what led me to regenerative agriculture or well, the principles behind well,
0: people it. say it's a win-win and i said no it's a win-win-win-win win like it, there there just isn't a downside <laughs> yeah. i think and it's it's important and i think yeah. going back to you being sort of present in front of a big agricultural scheme that's around you and showing that i mean i remember my dad coming down to the farm first time seeing how we're doing what we do And he didn't understand no dig and refused to get on board with no dig because you get taught a way of doing things and you stick to it. And so he was very much in the double dig. And I said, all right, then you have that bed over there, double dig it. We'll put some spring onions in it, a quick, like fairly like hardy crop but be all right and we'll see what happens comes down three weeks later and accuses me of not weeding his bed and weeding my beds just to show him up and then he spent like six hours weeding this bed and then had to do it another three weeks time and i said you're weeding that every three weeks i weed these twice three times a year so it's just another yeah even from a productivity point of view it's a win
2: yeah and i think that's why it's really important that people from outside of agriculture come into agriculture because you haven't got that that baggage is the way I describe mm. it of, <laughs> of this is how my dad did it this is how my granddad did it this yeah. is how you know like I alluded to a few minutes ago my dad's never picked well not never he comes and helps move compost <laughs> on the farm occasionally but you know what I mean he, he wouldn't know where to start if you, you said here's a piece of land himself mm. um so I haven't got that baggage you know I'm self-taught a few low-level quali- horticultural qualifications but other than that I'm self-taught and you, know, you re-digest all the information that's out there. Double dig. Have I tried double dig over my allotment time on the allotment? Absolutely, have I. I have. Have I tried tried a rotavator on the allotment? Absolutely. Raised beds, absolutely, et etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I've digested all that information with an open mind because I haven't got the baggage of fifty years of experience of ancestors telling me to do it this way. And I've the way I've the conclusion I've come to from the, all the information that I've researched is that this new way in adverts brackets which is ironically it's actually an old way and we're reverting back to the old way of how people used to farm but this regenerative way of farming is is the future of agriculture in this country and you know I'd love to be a part of I'd love to be a part of that for a long time
1: yeah wicked man that's well said as well I, I think because I, I, I really like what you said about the baggage because that's why I think us guys are um, are kind of taking the ball by the horns and running with it because it, it, as we said it's a win-win-win uh, everything uh, It once you start applying it you see the results really, really yeah. quickly and then you see so you know it works you know it tastes good and then that's how we've been able to scale it quicker the, 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 the lack of weeding is it, I mean obviously you're going to get weeds but it's that they're using it as a mulch and it's just it really does help it really does help because there's not Alex as well or, or Chris. Like I've been to your places and they are. I, I think it is clearer than the spot I was on. But there's no way you could have just planted straight into that. No, <laughs> no way.
2: Well, yeah. I, I remember. I remember when you came came to my farm. We were planting plant, planting garlic, and we'd had plenty of rain. It was towards the end. You know, when you plant overwintering garlic, and yes, there was a nice top few centimetres of compost but you 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 know we were talking about it when you were when you were there you know you push that garlic down more than two or three centimetres and you're hitting solid clay and Mm. so yeah um yeah there's there's work there's definitely some work to do with the soil but you know every every time we're doing something at the moment the way that we do things or the way that we're trying to do things is it's having a positive impact on that soil
0: Mm. whereas
2: when you think and link it back to historically if that was a piece of land that my my landlord was farming you know every time he does something of that sort it's having a neg- negative impact because he'll go through there with a plow and then go through there with a tilt like a, a, you know a power power harrow or something like that and completely destroy all the all the makeup of the soil whereas when every time we're doing something to the soil it's 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 adding benefits it's, it's making it better um, and and that's really simple for someone outside of farming outside of like i said without all that baggage to comprehend and understand if i was a guy that had got and um, my dad was a farmer or my dad was my, the landlord was my dad or any and, and his granddad was a was a farmer that's really hard to turn around to someone that's been doing it for 40 years and say look i want to stop doing it this way and i want to do it this completely other way um it's almost impossible so that's why i think even on a small scale, new new blood, new energy, new ideas within the agricultural industry in this country is never going to be a bad thing.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And what I love about, about what you've done is you've tested it yourself. I think you're a bit like me. Like if someone said, don't touch that, it's hot, I have to test to see if it's hot. And I'd give it a touch <laughs> anyway. So someone said, yeah, double digs the way to go. You gave, and, and you're not like splitting up your allotment and doing that is fantastic. And I think that's that's a, a credit to, to the fact that you've given them all a go and proven to yourself and therefore to other people that this is the way to take it I really like that and 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 I've seen a couple of things you are doing differently with your market garden now and one of them I'm immensely jealous of and I just just want to ask the question really about you don't deliver at the moment you don't deliver your boxes to the customers you have a scheme that allows customers to collect the boxes from local businesses which is incredibly admirable not just through supporting local businesses but I mean a bane of our existence at the moment is delivering the the things to customers so could you tell us a little bit more about that because growers that are interested in that it's not a model that a lot of people especially in this country do and and tell us a little bit how you like sorted those partnerships out because that's a bit i can't get my my head around as well
2: yeah absolutely so yeah you're absolutely right i don't do door-to-door delivery um so make the numbers really simple say i have a hundred veg boxes for um this season, and I sell out of my subscriptions, that means I'll producing 100 veg boxes a week and I use five drop-off and collection points, which are other independent small businesses. Um, so I'll take 20 of those boxes, um, pre-ordered, pre-paid for, to those businesses, and my customers will go to that shop or that cafe, um, and or uh, I'm using a school as the fifth one, um, and collect... Their veg box during that day's opening hours. So I'll drop it off at nine, four nine o'clock in the morning, and they've got between nine and five to collect it from that shop. Um, so all the sales and uh, relationship and customer interaction is all still done through me. But then I have a relationship with the shop owners or the shop workers managers, um, and they take in those twenty veg boxes, say for their um, on a on a Wednesday, um, and distribute them out to um, my customers that turn up at their shop. I suppose the advantages for both sides is for me, um, especially in years one to three, I couldn't really see how um, it would have too much of a bottom line impact for me to go and deliver. Um, I I know we were talking about this just before the podcast started and you you made a really, really good point that, you know, my time as a skilled grower um, is valuable on the farm um as as opposed to out delivering veg boxes so there's that element to it and the fact that you know if i was to pay someone else to deliver those veg boxes i think in years one to three for me personally it would cost too much money you know it'd eat too much into the profits um and from the shop point of view that gives them 20 customers a week regularly um that coming to their shop um that wouldn't necessarily shop there um uh and and What I found that was really, really important um, is the type of shop that you pair up with. So um, three of the shops that I've paired up with are these uh, sort of um, refill shops, these eco refill shops, low plastic, um, and their customer base would be you know, interested in my veg boxes and vice versa. My customers would be interested in the products, the dry products that they're selling in the shops. I've got a cafe um, as another one that, again, has got um, the fill stuff, as in the, the brand fill stuff um, in, their, in their cafe. So, again, um, and then the school, obviously, is a slightly different entity. It's something that I'm trying for this this, this year for the first time. Um, but the, the core values of their business and the core values of my business absolutely aligned. So, um, you know, the, the, the two should, should, and it did last year in the in the trial, um, sort of work hand in hand. Um, and yeah, the bottom line from my point of view is it's cheaper. It's, uh, it, it's cheaper. Yeah. It's cheaper. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and like you just alluded to, less, less hassle having to deal with delivery. And from a customer point of view, sorry, yeah, that gives them more flexibility uh, rather than, you know you know having to wait in for a veg delivery or whatever um they've got between nine and five on their collection day you know you can do it at lunchtime or after work or or whatever do it that way
0: amazing yeah I'm, i'm jealous and i'm definitely going to put some of that in and it's an important point making sure that those businesses core values align because then it's a mutual benefit and a mutual relationship rather than a one that necessarily needs to be about money or needs to be about yeah, just a one-way transaction. It's yeah. a give and take, and and I love that. That's the future of business, isn't it?
2: Yeah, Then there will. There's. I don't want to say too much because in case any of the shops are listening, but there are different contracts of different shops that I've got. It's not all the same. It's still business. There will be there will be shops out there that you know I might uh, you know one of my contracts is a, is a is a five percent. Everything that goes through their shop, every box that goes through their shop, they get five percent. And then some of them are doing it because they you know. Like I said, there's different contracts and you're not always going to get it for free. You're not always going to get that. Um, you know, it is still business at the end of the day. But I prefer to spend, say, 40 quid for all that great relationship, flexibility or uh, through through 5% of what goes through their shop um, a week uh, doing it the right way than pay someone 80, 90, 100 quid to go around and deliver all my veg boxes for me. Um, and uh, And again, it's going to a business that, you know you've just touched on is the, the values are right
1: so what's the plans now alex like going beyond this year like we know uh like plans for like potential 100 veg boxes like where like i've been to your farm and like you can kind of see how where to extend into the farm uh because yeah. how big the potential plot is that you can allow but um I mean so, some things you might keep close to your chest for like later on but but is there anything that you can <laughs> is there anything you can give us that you reckon like oh this is something hopefully in the future
2: I'd like to do or or whatever Yeah look the look the, the JM model um, when you look at a Richard Perkins JM it's more than just a farmers market uh, sorry not a farmers market uh, a market garden it's more than just the, the the vegetable production and the veg box service. Yeah, totally. Like, um, the reason I call mine a CSA, like, and, you know, it's a CSA, and I think that holds a bit more value in the UK than perhaps – you know, abroad, certainly in America, every man and his wife's calling it a CSA in America. But in the UK, I feel like there is still that community element to it. So absolutely, I want um, an area that my volunteers can enjoy, whether that's lawn, whether that's with benches and, you know, all that stuff that goes with it. Um, I want to be able to have other small businesses use my property for things. So I know we talked about, and Jack, you, you've seen it. Um, I've got this incredible backdrop um, and sunset sort of element of the of where I'm, I'm based. So I want to utilise that. I want people to be able to do you know yoga there and you know class and, and, and rent out the, the space mm. for, for for that kind of thing. I'd love to. I just started doing talks just before the COVID hit, which you know for the last eighteen months is has knocked that all on the head with everything that's happened. But my, 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 my still my still a huge part of my ambition is to encourage people to grow their own food like um, having said everything that we've said here, and if you haven't got time to grow your own food and you're local to me, absolutely come and buy it from me I'll, I'll grow it the right way and, 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 and take you along for, for a great journey but if if I can inspire just as many people to start or to help them grow more food then that's part of what I want to do in the future, and then I alluded to they'll, they'll. I think they'll be certainly in my business plan. There's 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 animals involved in the future, not from a a, a food production point of view, but um, you know uh, from a homesteady point of view. And then obviously, as I said, I do my YouTube a little bit, and so very much copying. <laughs> I'm not going to dress it up to be anything that isn't. Uh, copying, you know, the the, the big guys in in america and, and and try and be a, a hub for people to learn and um you know on whether that's face to face whether that's on uh, media platforms that kind of thing so yeah that's the long term i've got three year and five year plans all set out hopefully by the end of the five year plan there'll be more elements of that um, involved in a farm rather than it just at the moment all it, well it's not even now at the moment because i'm doing it through two different sites it at the moment it's just a market garden yeah. So, yeah. Um, that's that's what's what's in the pipeline, hopefully. Good
1: man. Yeah. I, I, what you said about talks like pre-COVID, or like the, I think I felt like I was one of the last planes to go there and back. I'd done a talk in Scotland and it, there was a few before that and I started to get paid for them. And I was like, What yeah. this is like an income I didn't even think about. And then. Yeah you've because i feel like we're we're on that level of like we're inspiring people to grow food and that's very like in at the minute on trend that people are like like emailing me go come to my restaurant do a talk come to this event do a talk and i was like oh you know what yeah i'll have a (laughs) bit of that And i mean it well it's just this other that there just seems to be loads of avenues within this space that it's just really cool it's a nice space to be in it feels like i've there's a lot of stuff I want to do as well. Uh, yeah, look,
2: I, 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 one of the first things I did when I was starting my allotment journey is went to a Charles Dowding tour. Met him. Uh, it was just at a, like a local like community centre thing um, near me. He was doing it as a favour to someone that was on the board of this community centre. Um, but he, he got paid for it and he probably got paid really well for it. I know I paid a fiver for the ticket to be there, which is really cheap for, for a Charles Dowding, you know, a couple of hours of Charles Dowding, um, but there must have been 200 people in there, mm. And you know. And you and I, and I sat, you know, as I've got better with growing. So I, I at the moment, all I'll do talks on for people is an, what I call an introduction to growing your own. That's what I'm comfortable doing. I've got five years' experience growing, you know, a few years where I've taken it really seriously. Now I'm creeping into um, sort of commercial stuff. So what I'm comfortable doing at the moment is inspiring beginners and newbies to grow their own food um and so if someone wants to pay you which they will do to, to come and do that you know I'll, I'll i'll happily do that and you know i've done some for free and you know and i do some for my customers again alluding, uh, going back to what you said about what i see in the future of the farm you know i want to do some educational stuff on on the farm and for kids and my members they'll be free you know, that, yeah that's, that's class that's part, of the, that's part of the deal you know yeah. that's part of being a member of, of, of the essex allotment farm. So. yeah
1: that that's it you, you're right about that csa the community bit is yeah. you want to make them like make it special as well for them like you're a part of this farm and then you're going to get the x y and z as well as the foot it goes beyond a bit of uh, a veg box doesn't it
2: yeah yeah absolutely and and so you're absolutely right you just said as you just said like, like oh my god people will pay me to come and talk about a veg. Well, you know, growing your own fruit and veg. Well, first instance is I'll talk to anyone about growing fruit and veg. So if you're going to chuck a few quid my way, then there's all these other income streams. And that's where the, the Curtis stones, the, the Richard Perkins on a, on a, on a huge level, you know, the absolutely boss this in America. And like, again, like we've alluded to a few times on, on, on this chat so far, there's a gap for that stuff in the UK because we are doing it. There are brilliant, brilliant CSA um, market gardens out there um, doing all the stuff that we've talked about, but no one's really shouting about it. No one's really, you know, taking it to that next that next level. Um, and yeah. Hopefully,
0: there's enough room for all Absolutely. three. Absolutely. Well, that's is isn't it? I mean, I, I adore that. I think all of us are yeah. on the same page with that. Absolutely. And I'm the, I'm the same. But what, I, what I also love is that it's. It's still about doing the right thing. We're all looking to run businesses. We're all looking to build bigger profiles and make more money, but it's still about doing the right thing. And you hit the nail on the head there. If someone comes, and that's what we've always said here if someone comes and is a veg box customer for a year or two years, but through visiting the farm, having the veg box, learns what good food is and how to grow it, and then they say, Chris, sorry, mate, I don't need your veg box anymore. I've, I'm growing a, enough in my garden and I've learned it from you guys well, that's a dream come true, isn't it? It's absolutely spot on and it'll be the same with the talks. I've been to some big talks in London when I was back in the sort of corporate marketing world where the entire talk was basically an hour long sales pitch to make you sign up for something that's 10 grand that, that doesn't have a really nice goal Attached to it. And I think eventually it was investment in something like oil. And and the whole thing was a sales pitch and a show off of, I mean, they were even like, oh, this is me with Oprah. This is me with, and it was just, it was like, you just knew it was wrong and knew it was evil. But the ultimate goal of all of us chatting about this is to inspire more people to do it. And that's, that's so admirable. And I, I really love that. Um, but there's loads of hats to that. I know you're always in a hat, but there is loads of hats to that. And I alluded to this in the intro of the podcast, yeah. but we're always amazed. And I spoke to Jack about this. You are all over your market garden. You've scaled that up. You've also got a family. You're constantly plowing out YouTube videos and you're constantly plowing out more content than I can keep up with on, on Instagram as well. So short of having superpowers, I think my last question before, uh, before we get into the quick fire questions is how are you managing that time?
2: If if you ask my wife, am I managing that time? She'd say I wasn't. And and, and look, when, whenever you're starting a business, wh- whether it's selling oil or growing your own veg, um, I think you overdo it in the first X amount of years. Uh, I think if you ever want to get something off the ground and it truly be what we've talked about, then certainly for the first few years, you could. It's not a 45 hour week. It feels like a 45 hour day sometimes. But, um, so, yeah, you're right. Um, you know, you're absolutely right. Um, I, 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 it's something I've got to get better at. It's something that, you, you know, but at the moment, I'm, it, 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 it's easy because we alluded to right at the beginning of the, of the podcast. I live for this at the moment. This is, this is like my hobby. You know, this is, this is, a, this is a business that I'm creating out of, a, out of a hobby. So when I've got to go back to the farm this evening at six o'clock and because it hasn't rained in six weeks, spend an hour and a half watering everything and, you know, checking on irrigation and all that kind of stuff, it doesn't feel like a job. My yeah. wife would say it's a job because I'm not at home and I'm not helping with a little boy but um but yeah it's it's not a job so it's easy um I think you're right I've, I'm trying to do a little bit of everything at the moment um because you know that's what I want, that's what I see me doing in the future but I've still got to do the bread and butter at the moment which is physically grow the veg and go and market it and sell it and you know and everything that comes with it so but I've signed up and my wife you know when you've got her in a in a, in a in a good mood would say that she's signed up for it as well that you know the, these next few years are going to be tough you know they're going to be hard hard work but like anything you put good foundations in you're you're incredibly hard and you do everything to the best of your ability i'll reap that reward in three or four years time i've got to do the bread and butter now i've got to do the, the youtube myself now i've got to do the editing i've got to do all the the marketing all these those elements and those bits of and I've got to do everything. And that's what makes it not a normal nine to five at the moment. But there's, there is uh, in the plan in the future to have um, employees so I can step away from that bread and butter stuff, that stuff, and use then the skill set that I've learned through um, a lot of material in Tesco's further back, now um, commercial growing, and inspire others and teach others to, to do that and, 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 and move forward with it themselves. Um, so yeah, the hard graft is now, the, the, the time now, for like, like I said, me and my wife have agreed that for the next three years, you know, I'm going to be doing those big, long, horrible weeks. And hopefully in a few years time, there'll be a member of staff that can do the, the <laughs> six o'clock watering shift um, as opposed, which is what I've got to do this evening. So. Yeah.
0: Love yeah. that, man. Yeah.
2: Off the back of
1: that, Alex, I've just added thought one, as you said it. What's the first job you're going to give away once you employ someone? <laughs>
2: uh oh pr- pricking out so i don't do too much freaking out <laughs> i don't do too much pricking out because of the way i grow things but there's certain stuff you can't get around doing it um oh, i can't stand it it's too fiddly uh oh, oh, you know clumsy hands um yeah it's just mind numbing as well so yeah <laughs> but i'll still pitch in i can't be one of those guys that just gives away all the, all the crap jobs and keeps the good stuff but uh, um yeah that'll be the first one that i'll i'll try and yeah well said try, and, try and ditch <laughs>
0: <laughs> love it so we're into the quick fire question it's a great question jack i love that um oh. best tool on the farm
2: oh uh well th- at the moment it's women hose um yeah i'll tell you what A really underrated and it's not really a tool. it's a thing string and pegs Mm. The the amount of times we use string and pegs in what we're we're doing, whether that's marking out beds, whether that's marking out rows, whether that's, you know, doing whatever. But the thing that I've had to buy a lot and when I run out of it and I haven't bought it quick enough um, is string and pegs. It's a real basic
0: one. I love that. You can have this for free because I'm not going to have the time to invent it. But I've always thought of like something that's, so you know, like the ret- the washing lines that you pull out of a retractable thing that goes, then you hook it yeah. on and then you've got one line. If we had one of those for yeah. beds, that's so like the length of your bed, pull it out, pin it down, yeah. do it. And then you just give it a tug and it pulls back in like um like the wire <laughs> yeah. on a Henry Hoover. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, that would probably make some yeah. decent money in this, that invention. So you can have that one yeah. for free. <laughs> Nice one. All
1: right, number three. What's um? What's your favourite
2: farm hack? Hack?
1: Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. I put you on the spot. I, I don't
2: pre-send me these questions, everyone. So uh, <laughs> this is real, <laughs> this
1: no. is real life. Did...
2: <laughs> um, yeah, he... A hack. I, I'll tell you what, one that I'm doing at the moment, and again, this is going to get a bit boring for anyone that's, uh, that's listening, but because it's so dry, I'm not collecting any weeds, any weeds that I'm hoeing out or i think I'm either just... Shoving them into the path or leaving them on top of the soil, Mm. and at this time of year, um, it's they're they're like crisps, they're like a poppadom by the time (laughs) you know two hours later. So (laughs) it's so dry and so hot, so it saves you a bit of a job of carnival to the compost
0: it's a good one and it works with them um, hoeing at the right time as well doesn't it just hoeing and leaving yeah. them to crisp yeah. in the sun so it's a top tip yeah. not as tasty as poppadoms though i can tell you um, <laughs> no. speaking of which what's a crop that you love but you don't make much money from and know you shouldn't probably really grow it but you do anyway
2: a um, uh, tough one for me i'll tell you the one that i think i've, I've messed up on i'll, <laughs> I'll change the it question slightly it's strawberries so I've, strawberries is a higher profit on strawberries, and I've gone big. Like I've planted a thousand strawberry plants in my first year as a like a crop, but I've got a feeling they're going to be a real pain in the arse. Like they they fruit at the wrong at the busiest time of year. They're not easy to harvest. Um, then the, you've got the runners to deal with, which is free strawberry plants, which is great. But I, I think um, I think they'll they're going to cause me more problems than perhaps there were i guess there's a reason (laughs) why strawberry farms
0: are often pick your own isn't it? saves the saves it absolutely that's the ultimate pick your own veg box come and get it and save you all the trouble of uh delivering and picking it that's the ultimate dream i guess
1: (laughs) yeah these quick fight questions are just a test you on the (laughs) spot really mate (laughs) um but like final one which i just gave chris is on a farm walk around uh do you prefer a morning coffee or tea or an afternoon beer? What's your like f- favourite time of day drink? Oh, it's a, it
2: is a tough one because <laughs> it's going to make me sound awful. But if I had it my way, it'd be a, it'd be a morning beer. <laughs> yeah. um, I love being there, um, you know, between six and eight o'clock in the morning, a bit of dew on the, on the floor, on the ground, really peaceful. All, everything's just waking up. Uh, the birds are out and everything. Um so, I'd probably have to say that time of day with a cup of tea or a cup of coffee um, so yeah that that would be my favorite, but yeah, <laughs> drink a choice um if if that wouldn 't be me an alcoholic then i
0: couldn 't give any other answer we 've all got a beer yeah, at the moment, works. so you can really say
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah but like a few thing, a few things as well is like the fact that you can drink yeah. like even it i know like probably like for in my you, you, if you're driving back home, but like you can have one or whatever, and that's the beauty of like mid- midway through the day. If it's boiling hot, it's just sometimes a nice little oh, mate, chill out for two seconds. It, it, look, it's
2: exactly the same, but in uh, but a thousand times better than what we used to do, or you know, when we were all part of the rat race. Like you know, I know Jack. Mm. You, you, uh, uh, like grafted and grafted hard so as a generalization friday afternoons is that that time where you'll go and have a beer and and, and, and things like that and, and certainly for me it's the same like you, you go out to corporate things and you have a drink and stuff like that but yeah i mean i love both of what you've just asked if you absolutely had to pick one um yeah the mornings i just love the mornings there's something about it a bit of chill in the air that kind of thing but yeah that's it uh, that doesn't mean yeah, that i don't yeah. sit there when i'm watering you know um at six o'clock this evening uh, <laughs> if i hadn't already had one now you know have, have have a beer sat in the field and um you know rather than a an overpriced pub somewhere which is what i used to it's do it's just <laughs> yeah. a,
0: just a warning if you ever move <laughs> onto your land it's a dangerous game because <laughs> i <laughs> yeah, don't have to yeah. drive anywhere uh, that would be what's controlled me doing <laughs> yeah. it Alex uh, privilege to have you on the podcast thanks so much for sharing your story and your tips and tricks and everything uh, with us um for anyone listening who hasn't seen you on your YouTube channel or anything where can they find all that
2: uh so yeah um I'm on most of the platforms so YouTube is the Essex Allotment Farm um that's sort of following my journey of farm specific um then I've got the Essex Allotment on um Instagram and uh I have got Facebook as well which is most the same as Instagram but yeah or if you just search the Essex allotment um, I'll I'll pop up me in a hat sticking my tongue
0: (laughs) love it thanks so much for coming on mate
2: no I really really appreciate you having me and uh, yeah I I hope this goes really really well It's, it's fantastic cheers